Hey guys, thanks for tuning in today to the JTP Church Podcast. We hope God speaks to you through this message. If you want to share with us what God is doing in your life, you can write us at hello at jtp.church. If you would like to partner with us and make a financial gift to our ministry, you can visit us at www.jtp.church to make a donation. Now sit back and enjoy the message. We've had an action-packed week, so how many of you guys have been here every single day of the week? Raise your hand. Monday through Friday, Saturday in baptism yesterday and today. Action-packed week. It's been amazing. It's good to be in the house of God. I remember, I'm sure Lisa remembers too, we used to have services every night in the 10 Crusades. Yes. Seven months. Some people say eight months. Other people say nine months. Nine months, eight months, however long it was, but consecutive, without a day off, every day. And it was a joy. When you're not making sure that there's fire in the altar, like Jesus shared today in the pre-rally, that's when it starts getting tedious coming to church, when you start seeing it as a routine. But when you're filled with the Holy Spirit, all you want is more of God and more of his presence. How many say amen? All right, getting to the Spirit-filled, this is the fourth sermon on this series. Today we're going to discuss a little bit about power. Everybody say power. Power that makes the difference. That's what I titled it. And it's been a journey during these four weeks. My prayer is that during these four weeks, you have applied everything that we've talked about here in the services during this time and started a relationship with the Holy Spirit if you didn't have one. And if you did, that you would have taken your relationship with the Holy Spirit, with God, to another level. Let me just recap. From day one, we started getting to know the Holy Spirit. He's not a force. He's not a mist. He's not a a power. He is a person. He is God. Amen. And then the second week, we started talking about the functions of the Holy Spirit, how he helps the believer. We talked about 12, but there's so many more, right? We talked about that he guides us, among other things. Last week, we started talking about the fruit of the Spirit, because that's how you can tell if somebody is filled of the Holy Spirit, if somebody has God living inside of them and is giving God an opportunity to take the place of your entire life, not that you have them cornered and you use them for whatever benefit you need, but that you've given the Holy Spirit complete control of your life, that eventually is going to lead to fruits. And can somebody name some of the fruits that we talked about? Let's see if you guys are on the ball. Patience, okay. Uh, Joy. Thank you, Antonio. Peace. Long-suffering, kindness, goodness. Give yourself a hand. So we spoke about the fruit of the Spirit last week the external and visible outcomes and the evidences of an internal decision to allow the Holy Spirit to invade your life. That's what the fruits are, right? You allow the Holy Spirit to take over, and then obviously God living inside of you and you giving him a chance to take over, it's going to obviously turn out onto the external. What's going on inside is going to manifest itself outwardly. The Holy Spirit is such an incredible topic. I mean, we could spend all 52 Sundays of 2017 talking about the Holy Spirit, and we still wouldn't even scratch the surface. There's so much material, not only in the Word of God, because the Holy Spirit is a person. You get to know Him personally. There's so much that you could learn about the Holy Spirit. But today, we're going to close off this series speaking about power. And the definition of power is the ability or capacity to direct or influence the behavior of others or the course of events. So, It's the ability or the capacity to direct or influence the behaviors of other people or course of events. When you're filled of the Holy Spirit, 
the Bible says that you have power, and that power serves to be able to influence other people, obviously, to bring them into God's ways, influence other people to show the power of God manifested in their life, etc., and also to change course of events. When you have the power of the Holy Spirit, you know, some people may think this is weird, but you could talk to situations. You know, I know people that look in the mirror and they start talking at situations. That they're looking at a sick body in the mirror, but they start talking and they start declaring, you are healed in the name of Jesus. You could talk to situations. The Bible says that, and we read it last week when Jesus told the disciples that if you have faith, you could tell this mountain to move and it will move. Amen? So it gives us the ability to change and alter course of events. That's what the power of God does. So I want you to go with me to the book of Acts. We're going to read something that we've shared previously in chapter 1, verse 8. And then we're going to read plenty in chapter 2 because something supernatural happened there that marked the church until this day continues marking and doing incredible things in the church of Jesus Christ. Acts chapter 1, verse 8. If you're there, say, I got it. So I can know. All right, we're there. It says, but you shall receive power. When the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. Geographically, what God is telling him, look, when you receive power, remember when God is telling the apostles this, they were in Jerusalem. They were seeking this Holy Spirit that Jesus told them to wait for. And they were waiting for them. And he says, when it comes upon you, you're going to receive power. And that power is going to allow you to be a witness here in Jerusalem, but Jerusalem can't contain what the Holy Spirit is going to want to do in your life because the Holy Spirit is going to want you to, you know, blow across boundaries and go into Samaria, go into Judea, into the ends of the world. Amen? So we can never get satisfied with what God is doing in your life. If God has used you to multiply your HOB, right, your house of blessing, your soul group from two people to ten people, praise God. But you know how many people don't know Christ? Sometimes we're so focused in all the good things that God has done through us. You know, you can never get comfortable because there's always more that God wants to do. So the Holy Spirit wasn't meant for them to just be able to shake a city. And let me tell you, it takes anointing. It takes power of God to be able to just fill the city of the presence of God. But the Holy Spirit wanted to do more. He wanted to change the entire world. And to this day, 2,000 years have passed. We're in Hialeah, Florida very far away from Jerusalem, but the Holy Spirit reached here. How many say amen? The Holy Spirit still is using you. It's using me, and we're still doing the Word of God and seeing the power of God manifested. So everybody say power to be witnesses. Power to influence culture. Power to influence people. We need the Holy Spirit also for many other things. You see, the, the more you're filled of the Holy Spirit, the more power you have to overcome temptation. Sometimes people have a hard time with something particular. You always fall into that sin and you can't overcome it. But when you're filled of the Holy Spirit, you get strength. You get power to overcome that temptation. When you're filled of the Holy Spirit, you have more power to see miracles. All sorts of supernatural things in your daily walk, such as supernatural provision, healing when you're sick in your body. It also gives you the power to bear fruits of the Spirit, like we spoke last week, right? And most importantly... It gives you the power, like we said, to be effective witnesses of Jesus. And I want to share with you a story. There's a, a famous story that I read this week of an oil field called Yates Pool. Maybe you've heard of it. It's a famous oil pool. During the Depression, this field was a sheep ranch 
owned by a man named Yates. Mr. Yates wasn't able to make enough on his ranching operations to pay the principal and interest on the mortgage, so he was in danger of losing his ranch. With little money for clothes or food, his family, like many others, had to live on government subsidy. Day after day, as he grazed his sheep over those rolling West Texas hills, he was no doubt greatly troubled about how he would pay his bills. Then a seismographic crew from an oil company came into the area and told him there might be oil in his land. They asked permission to drill a wildcat well, and he signed the lease contract. At 1,115 feet, they struck a huge oil reserve. The first well came in at 80,000 barrels a day. Many subsequent wells were more than twice as large. In fact, 30 years after the discovery, a government test of one of the wells showed it still had the potential flow of 125,000 barrels of oil a day. Mr. Yates owned it all. The day he purchased the land, he had received the oil and he had received the mineral rights. Yet he'd been living on relief. He was a multimillionaire living on poverty. The problem, he didn't know the oil was there even though he owned it. So many Christians live in spiritual poverty. You know, we could apply this principle and take it to the spiritual. Many Christians are entitled to the gifts of the Holy Spirit and his energizing power, but they're not aware of their birthright. And the Bible says that when you turned your life over to God, when you were born again, you were sealed with the Holy Spirit. But it's up to you whether you're going to tap into that source on a daily basis to receive strength, receive direction, to receive, you know, and understand everything that God has blessed you with, or if you're just, you're just going to walk in the power of your own strength. So today, my message to you is that, look, we have such an incredible resource that God has left us. This power of the Holy Spirit is not a power of this world. It's the power, that the same power that when God said, let there be light, light was. You know, there's, you could speak to situations. That's why it says that power allows you to change the course of action of things. Jesus has made available to every believer the work and the power of the Holy Spirit. And some people, unfortunately, they seem to think that the power of the Holy Spirit is just meant to be poured on preachers. Or, or people that are on the altar and worship ministers and youth leaders. Or people that work full-time in the church or part-time. But the anointing power of the Holy Spirit is for every believer. How many say amen? The Holy Spirit has been given to businessmen. It's been given to mothers, to students, to fathers, to plumbers, to secretaries, to billionaires, and to people of all walks of life. How many, how many understand this? I want you to put your hand around the person next to you and tell them it's for you. Come on. It's for you. I hope. They believed you. The power of the Holy Spirit is meant for us so that we could live in a supernatural way, connected to God, and so we could accomplish God's calling. Like we said before, I remember if it was last week or the week before that, you can never do the work of God without the power of the Holy Spirit. It's not going to happen. You can never do it. You always fall short, way short. Because when God destined your life and when God prepared you, and he said, look, I'm, I'm, I'm thinking of Marcos, I'm thinking of Janice, I'm thinking of Antonio, I'm thinking, when he thought of your name, he, he said, I'm going to create this person, 
And through the power of my Holy Spirit, this person is going to be able to do this and this and this and this. And God created you for specific tasks. That's why he, he equipped every single one of us with different talents, with different skills, that through the anointing and the fullness of the Holy Spirit, we'll be able to do crazy and amazing things. And if everything that you've done till this day has all been based in your own power and you've never seen anything supernatural, you know what? There's still so much more that you got to tap into. And that's why we did this series. You know, the last thing that you will want to do is live your life and one day, you know, go to the cemetery and pass away when you're 80, 90, 100 years old and all that potential that was inside of you because you didn't tap into this oiled field that you had, right, per se, because you never tapped into the Holy Spirit, a gift that God gave you and is living inside of you, you stay without seeing the glory of God in your family, the glory of God in Jerusalem, in Judea, in Samaria, and to the ends of the world. So we got to make sure that we tap into the Holy Spirit every single day of our life, that we get filled of this power that God left for us. Luke chapter 24, verse 49, it says, Behold, I send the promise of my Father upon you, but tarry in the city of Jerusalem. In other words, wait in the city of Jerusalem until you are endued. The New International Version says until you are clothed. Everybody say clothed. Clothed with power from on high. So what it's trying to say here, what Jesus was trying to explain to his disciples is that when this power comes upon you, it's going to envelop us. Not only covering us and protecting us from the influence of the devil, because that's part of what the Holy Spirit does, right? It protects you. But it also enables us to demonstrate the likeness of Christ. And as you guys remember, when Jesus was walking on the earth, I mean, he did pretty incredible things. And that's how God wants you to walk every single day of your life. He wants you to see a need and say, you know what? I got a God that can supply that need. Declare it, believe it, and it's done through the power of the Holy Spirit. Because you have faith and you have the Holy Spirit inside of you. He's talking about this promise of the Father, which is the Holy Spirit, that it will come and it would clothe you with power from on high. And I started thinking a little bit about being clothed, right? The Holy Spirit covers us in such a way that we bear both the fruit of his character, like we spoke last week, and the demonstration of his presence wherever we go. Now, you guys know that clothing identifies people as having three things. Authority, prestige, and influence. Think about the uniform of a police officer. When somebody sees the uniform, the uniform represents what? Authority. They have authority from the state. They have authority from the city. It's not just the clothes, but what the clothes represents. When you see the cloak of a king, right? We don't have a king here in the United States of America. We have a president. But when you see the cloak of a king, that cloak, it represents prestige. It represents influence. This guy is the top honcho. This guy is the boss. Whatever the king says goes. When we see the robes of a judge, right? We see the judge sitting in his seat and he has his robe on and it symbolizes justice, right? He, it, it means something. Clothing means something. Well, in the same way, the spiritual garment, when God is selling, it's telling us that the Holy Spirit wants to clothe us with power, the spiritual garment bestowed by the Holy Spirit identifies us as Christ's own brothers and sisters, alive and at work in the world. When you're filled with the Holy Spirit, you're clothed with the same clothes 
of the king. It's like we're Jesus' brothers, right? We have the same authority. We have the same power. We could do the same things. The Bible says these signs will follow all those who believe in my name. They will put hands over the sick and they will be healed. They will recover. They will cast out demons. They will speak in other tongues. All these things come when you're being filled of the power of the Holy Spirit. Now, I want to ask you guys, because I'm not getting much feedback today. So do you guys want the power of the Holy Spirit? We need it. You can't live without it. It, it, And if you do, it's going to be a miserable life. You're going to be settling for so much less. We need the power of the Holy Spirit to be the people that God has called us to be. We read earlier that Jesus told his disciples not to leave Jerusalem but to stay because he was going to send the Holy Spirit and they would receive power. Now, follow me in Acts chapter 2, verse number 1. The Bible says, When the day of Pentecost had fully come, they were all with one accord in one place, and suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind, and it filled the house, the whole house, where they were sitting. And there appeared to them divided tongues as of fire, and one sat upon each of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit, and they began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. It mentions tongues twice here. It says that something supernatural happened. Now, what it doesn't say there in the verse is that when Jesus told them, look, go into Jerusalem and don't leave, you got to wait until you're filled of the Holy Spirit. Now, how long did they wait? They waited 10 days. They were praying for 10 days, locked inside a room, the upper room, and they were praying to God, God, we don't even know what this Holy Spirit is, but you said that we need it, so give it to us. At least we know what it is. But they didn't even know what they were asking for, but they knew they were following Jesus' commands. Look, I'm leaving. I'm going to be with the Father, but it's convenient for me to leave because otherwise the Holy Spirit wouldn't come. So what you guys got to do is pray until my father sends the Holy Spirit. So 10 days, imagine. This was like a, a prayer of, and fasting of 10 days, locked up in a room, just wanting one thing, no phones, no family, no nothing. All they wanted is what? The Holy Spirit. So God, give us the Holy Spirit. We want it. We want to know what this is. And the Bible says that suddenly on the 10th day, and they heard like the noise of a mighty rushing wind come in. And the Bible says that it was like, tongues of fire that were set on top of people's heads they were all sitting imagine 10 days worth of praying and fasting you know they were tired they were sitting you guys know when you light up a lighter the little flame that comes out well that's how i picture it i don't know if it was like that but the bible says that it was like tongues of fire that sat on top of their heads and they were filled of the holy spirit and as a consequence of being filled of the holy spirit they started speaking in other languages in other tongues One of the evidence of being filled of the Holy Spirit is that you start speaking in other tongues. And to some people, maybe that's weird. It's like, what are they babbling about? I I don't get what they're saying. But that's manifestation that the Holy Spirit is alive and at work and that you're being filled of the Holy Spirit. So tongues of fire rested on top of their heads and they began speaking in different tongues led by the Spirit. Now, I want to say a little bit more about this topic of speaking in different tongues languages and different tongues because it could create a little bit of confusion. I want you to go with me to the book of 1 Corinthians chapter 14 verse 1 through 4 and it talks a little bit about spiritual gifts. 
Later on in 2017, we'll probably do a series on spiritual gifts. Chapter 12 of 1 Corinthians also talks about spiritual gifts. So there, there's plenty of them. We could start discussing them. One of the things that the Bible tells us we should do is desire spiritual gifts. All right? We need to desire them. 14, verse 1 through 4, it says, Pursue love and desire spiritual gifts, but especially that you may prophesy. So let's, let's stop right there. We're going to read a little bit more. But so far, the apostle's telling us as the church, you know, he's telling you as a believer, pursue love. We have to follow love. But we also have to desire spiritual gifts and especially that we may prophesy. Now we're going to get a little bit into that. Verse 2 says, for he who speaks in tongue does not speak to men, but to God, for no one understands him. However, in the spirit, he speaks mystery. So check out what happens when, when I'm filled with the Holy Spirit. I have the Holy Spirit. I start speaking in tongues. Usually we don't do this congregationally because of what it says there. Because the only person that's edified, the only person that understands what's being said is the spirit of God inside of you and God. Not even the person that's speaking in tongues most of the time understands what's going on. But not even the devil knows what you're asking God when you're speaking in tongues. It's like your spirit, remember, we are, we are bodies, we are souls, and we are spirit. So we have a spirit, but we also have the spirit of God living inside of us. And when you're filled with the Holy Spirit, your spirit connects to the spirit of God, and it starts crying out to God, saying things that you really need. The Holy Spirit tells God, the Father, he needs this and this and this to do the work of the ministry. He needs this and, and you don't even understand what he's doing, but you're edifying yourself. Amen? And we'll get into how you receive that. If you don't speak in tongues, you're probably saying, well, how in the world do I receive this? Well, we'll get into that later. But it's something, it's a gift of the Spirit. And it's a gift that when it's inside of you, right, you start speaking to God and you're edified. Man, you could be going through the worst crisis in your life but you start connecting to God, not on a superficial level, not on a mental level where you start telling God all the things that you need. God, help me in this situation. And, you know, there, there comes a point in your prayer that if you stay long enough and if you're connected to God, right, without any distractions, you start praying not from up here, but you start praying from here, from the spirit. And you start getting and you start interceding and you start your spirit takes over and you start speaking in tongues and you're communicating with God and God starts supplying all the needs that you need for the calling that God has given you. How many say amen? That's what it's saying here. So it's saying that he who speaks in tongues does not speak to men, but to God for no one understands them. However, in the spirit, he speaks mysteries. Now look at verse number three. But he who prophesies, and remember in verse one, it says that prophecy was even more important, that we should especially seek prophecy. He who prophesies speaks three things, edification and exhortation and comfort to men. He who speaks in a tongue edifies himself. So it says that we should pursue love. We should desire spiritual gifts, which is tongues, etc., but especially that you may prophesy. Let me ask you a question. When was the last time that you asked God for the gift of prophecy? Not a very popular subject, right? It's right there in the Bible. It says that especially that you may prophesy. Why? Does that mean that we shouldn't focus on being filled with the Spirit and speaking in tongues? No. We need to do that. 
But when you speak in tongues, you edify yourself. But when you prophesy, you're blessing other people. Prophesy is to be able to say something that God is going to do. This is a spiritual gift. You know how witch doctors and people that are in the occult and all that stuff, you know, sometimes they read the palms of your hands or sometimes they say that they heard the voice of your grandma that's been dead 20 years. And let me tell you, that stuff is real. Why? Because there's spiritual forces at work here. There's demons. There's demons that you can't see, just like there's angels. There's demons. And demons, if you're not living a, a godly life or if you open the doors to things like unforgiveness or the occult, you're opening a door wide open so these demons can come. Sometimes they oppress people. Sometimes they even possess people. So imagine, you, since you can't see them, these demons, they've been around since the beginning of time, right? Since, since God kicked Satan out from, from heaven, and they've been here. So they, know, they knew your grandma. So these same demons that knew your grandma or that knew what was going on in your family, when a person starts consulting them through the occult, they come and they tell them all these things, and that is true. There is power. But there's a greater power, the power of the Holy Spirit. So the same way demons could tell about these kinds of things, the Holy Spirit can speak to you. And you could just see a person for the first time, and you could hear the voice of God, maybe not audibly, but here in your, in your spirit. And he tells you, tell that person that I'm going to heal him today of cancer. And, and you didn't even know that that person had cancer. You just go up to them, met, just saw him for the first time in the supermarket, and said, you know what? God told me to tell you that he's healing you of cancer. The person breaks down. So how in the world did you know? That's prophecy. That's discernment. And these are gifts of the Spirit. Now, if people use this for the bad, for the occult, doing incantations on people and weird stuff, how much more should we use it for good? How many say amen? So the power of the Holy Spirit gives you these special gifts. And among those are prophecy. And it says something before we move on, because this is, you know, we're talking about the Holy Spirit, but on the subject of prophecy, interesting enough, prophecy has three objectives and three objectives only. They are, number one, to edify. Everybody say to edify. Number two, to comfort. And number three, to exhort. Now listen to the definition of exhort. Exhort means to strongly encourage or thoroughly encourage or urge someone to do something. If you notice, a prophecy will never come from God to be able to cast judgment on you or condemn you. Because there's some people that back in the days, they used to prophesy. And you say, oh, the Lord says, if you don't repent, you're going to go to hell. They used to send people to hell. They used to... But the prophecy, right, comes to edify. It comes to exhort. It comes to comfort. Now, it could, it could correct something in love. It could say, look, you're going the wrong direction. But, you know, if you turn your life around, you know, there's forgiveness for you. It's always to build a person and bring them back up, not to push them down or to condemn them or send them to hell. So interesting enough, the Bible says that we should especially ask God to fill us and give us this spiritual gift. How many of you guys are going to start praying for this? Raise your hand. I want to see your hands. It's important that we do. We need to, as a church, start flowing in the supernatural because you know what? We've left the power out of it. It's sad, but it's true. Speaking generally of the church, you know, church is reduced to just coming to a building and having a two-hour service where we sing songs and we say hi to people and we smile, right? And occasionally we do things like going to baptisms and we, but no, we, 
We can't leave the power out because the power is what differentiates us from every other religion and from every other sect and from every other weird thing that people are doing out there. Why? Because Jesus, when he resurrected, he defeated death. It took power to do that. He defeated death. He stepped on death. There's no enemies. Now he defeated the most powerful enemy, which was death. And now he's turned over that power to the church. That's why he went to be with the Father and he told his disciples, look, don't leave Jerusalem because you guys need it. You guys are going to carry on what I started. It's no longer me. Now I pass the baton on to you guys, but you can't do it alone. But Jesus, we did miracles too. We did, no, 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 no. What I have planned for you and for the church is going to be so great that you can't do it on your own. You need the power of the Holy Spirit to prophesy, to heal the sick, to cast out demons. How many say amen? So prophecy, we need to pursue love. We need to desire spiritual gifts, especially prophecy. So when you're filled with the power of God, the gifts of the Spirit start flowing. That's part of the power, right? Power of God flowing inside of you and the gifts start flowing. But we have to desire. We have to ask for them in your alone time with God. Sometimes we pray and we're like, oh my gosh, what else is there to pray for? I don't even know what to pray for. And, and our prayers sometimes last two minutes, three minutes. You know what? Just persevere. Just stay there. Don't get up. And ask God, God, give me spiritual gifts. Awaken me to things that you want to do in my life that I don't know about. Yeah, connect me to your purpose. I, I want to... I want to be able to just give me a glimpse. Just give me a glimpse of what you want to do in my life. Lead me in the right direction. And you start asking God these things, and you're going to start seeing how the Holy Spirit is going to start pouring power over you. It's going to start filling you, right? And there's going to be evidences of that. Amen. So back to the story. I want you to go with me to Acts chapter 2. We're going to read quite a bit here because something crazy happened when the Holy Spirit fell. You're going to realize that when the Holy Spirit gives you power, it's never going to be just so that you could be benefiting from that power. It's always going to be so you could be witnesses to other people. Yeah? But sometimes we come to church and we think that God or the Holy Spirit is like Santa Claus or something that you could use whenever you have a need and whenever you're cool, you don't even need it. And you call upon it whenever you have a need. It doesn't work that way. You see, the Holy Spirit, it's so powerful that it's meant for you to be a witness to other people. It's so much that you can't contain. Verse number five says, and there were dwelling in Jerusalem. When this happened, when the power of the Holy Spirit fell into that room and all these people were filled with the Holy Spirit, they started speaking tongues. It was during Passover and Passover was a feast. People will come to Jerusalem where these people were, where they were filled with the Holy Spirit to celebrate a feast and they will come to offer sacrifices unto God. So there were people from all over the place, from different languages, right? From Mesopotamia, from Judea, from different territories and whatnot. So they were dwelling in Jerusalem, Jews. There were devout men from every nation under heaven. So everybody was there. It was an important feast. And when this sound occurred, the multitude came together and they were confused because everyone heard them speak in their own language. So... You know, they were all people from Jerusalem, but they were speaking languages from other people that were present there as well. And it says that they were all amazed and marveled, saying to one another, look, aren't these the people that we heard them speak Galilean? 
And how is that we hear each in our own language in which we were born? Parthians and Medes and Elamites, those dwelling in Mesopotamia, Judea, Cappadocia, Pontus, and Asia, Phrygia, I don't even know how to pronounce these names, and Pamphylia, Egypt, and the parts of Libya adjoining Serene, visitors from Rome, both Jews and proselytes, Cretans and Arabs, we heard them speaking in our own tongues the wonderful works of God. So these people didn't even know what they were saying. They were just speaking in tongues, but the other people that knew that language did understand what they were speaking, right? And they understood that they were speaking the wonderful works of God. So they were all amazed and perplexed, saying to one another, whatever could this mean? What in the world is happening? Same reaction that you probably had the first time you heard somebody speak in tongues. Or if this is the first time that you ever hear something like this, maybe this is weird. And you're like, what in the world is this? Well, that's what these people were saying. Verse 13, there were other people that started mocking them or making fun of them. And they said, well, these people are full of new wine, like saying they're all drunk. But I love verse 14. And, and here's where I want you to start looking at what the power of God poured into your life and manifested into your life will do. Because that's what we're here for, right? It's not about, oh, I got the power. No, no, no. What is that power for and what is it going to help me do? So Peter stands up. He's hearing all these people make fun and they're saying, oh, these people are all drunk, man. And he stands up with the 11. He raised his voice and he said to them, hey, men of Judea and all who dwell in Jerusalem, let this be known to you and heed my words for these are not drunks, as you suppose, since it's only the third hour of the day. Third hour of the day was 9 a.m. All right, way too early to be drunk. That's what he's trying to say. He's like, look, it's 9 a.m., all right? They're not drunk. This is something else. But this is what was spoken by the prophet Joel. And it shall come to pass in the last days, says God, that I will pour out my spirit on all flesh, and your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. We just talk about prophesying, right? Your young men shall start seeing visions. Your old men shall dream dreams. People of JTP Church, the power of the Holy Spirit, the fruit of the Spirit, the spiritual gifts is for all people. It's for every single person that desires and that seeks it. And the Holy Spirit came upon, you know, something started happening to the point that everybody started coming to see what was going on with these 11 people. Imagine, I mean, just a small meeting of 11 people. And, and all of a sudden, it created such a thing that everybody wanted to know what was going on. They thought they were drunk. And Peter stands up and starts clearing up, saying what exactly it is. The Holy Spirit, it's for the apostles of Jesus Christ. It's also for us. It's for Jonathan Aguero. It's for Carla. It's for Jesus. It's for Valerie. It's for Edith. It's for every single person, whoever seeks it. How many say amen? Come on, touch somebody that's close to you and tell them there's power available for you. Stop living in poverty, spiritual poverty, when you're living under an oil well. Come on. You have so much more. Why don't you tap into that? Tap into that power. You know, sometimes we say, well, I, I can never effectuate the calling that God called me. You know, I, I don't know. I started my HOB, and I don't see the fruits of it. I, I don't see people multiplying in the HOB, me influencing other people, me witnessing other people. Well, maybe you're trying to do it in the power of your strength. And not in the power of the Holy Spirit. Because if you get the power of the Holy Spirit, you start asking God to give you the gift of prophecy. You start asking God to 
let you tap into the supernatural, into the gifts of the Spirit, you're going to start seeing the Holy Spirit flow in supernatural ways. You're going to start seeing people come, and God's going to give you a word for them. God's going to tell you exactly what they're going through, and you're going to pray for them. They're going to recover, and they're going to see the glory of God, the power of God, and that's what we need here in JTP Church. Come on, can you put your hands together for the gift of the Holy Spirit? I think we have enough word. We come here three times on Sundays. I saw you guys when they said, how many of you guys are here for the third time on Sunday? Ah, most of you. That's awesome. But we have so much word. We come here on Fridays. We come here on Thursday. We have so much. But what about the power? The Bible says that the gospel does not consist just of words, but of power. If you leave the power out, you know what? You're leaving out the most important thing. But God says that he would undo us. He'll clothe us in power so that we could be effective witnesses. How many say amen to that? These men had walked with Jesus for three years. We talked about that last week. They had seen miracles. They had been taught by the master. They had done miracles themselves. But after this experience of Acts chapter 2, they were never the same. And you know what? If you, if you guys want to start um, reading the Bible and you're not doing it, and you want to start doing it regularly, start in Acts chapter 1. Because I, I want you to guys to see how these people, imperfect people just like you and me, how after they were filled of the Holy Spirit, after this day of Pentecost, how their lives were never the same. They would threaten to put them in jail. They would whip them. They would beat them. They would tell them, if you preach about Jesus again, we're going to kill you. Just like that. And they would threaten to hang them, to feed them to the lions in the Colosseum. And they didn't care. They had such conviction and such power that nothing could stop them. Nothing could stop them. As a matter of fact, the time that they would put them in jail, you read about Paul and Silas, that they're in jail. Man, 12 at night, they're whipped. They whipped them 39 times. They're bloodied. They're in the darkness, in the last cell, and they're singing to God. I mean, what crazy people do that? I'll tell you who, people that are filled with the Holy Spirit. You, you see, that's why sometimes coming to church sometimes becomes tedious, where you're not filled of the power. You're doing everything in your own strength. That, that's when serving others also sometimes becomes tedious. You know, giving your HOB consistently becomes tedious because you're doing it in the power of your own strength. But when you're doing it in the power of the Holy Spirit, man, you're, you're pursuing. You don't care what comes your way. You don't care what's going on in your personal life. You know that serving God calls God into helping you whatever situation it's going through. And nothing stops you. These people were completely committed. And as a matter of fact, all 11 apostles, they died. Some of them crucified. Some of the apostles were sawed in two with a saw, cut into two. I mean, just crazy. And they said, wow, it's a privilege to be able to share just like Jesus shared. Jesus gave his life. Wow, if I could do the same thing for the kingdom and for God, it's a privilege. Sometimes we complain because, I don't know, something happens or somebody from church didn't say hi to you and we're like you know what i'm not going to church anymore it's some petty things and we don't realize you know the big picture what god called us to do i wonder what would happen if jtp church would start praying every day to be filled with the holy ghost i wonder if every single one of us every single day would take at least 15 minutes to 20 minutes to say god fill me of your holy spirit fill me of your holy spirit i don't dare walk out of my door without you filling me and giving me directions for the day. I wonder what would happen. I wonder what would happen in our communities. I wonder what miracles will start occurring in our schools. I wonder what signs and wonders God will work through us in the streets. I wonder what bold acts 
God would start doing through your life and into other people's lives. And I want to finish with this, if the worship team can help me out. I wish I had time to read you the entire book of Acts. Anybody down? Right? Stay here till 2 in the morning. <laughs> Don't worry, I'm not going to do it. You could do it on your own time. But I do want to read you that first instance after they were filled with the Holy Spirit. People started saying, are these people drunk? What in the world got into these people? They're talking in different languages. What? I don't get this. And Peter, we read that he stood up and he started saying, look, these men are not drunk at 9 a.m. We have better things to do. This was what prophet Joel said in the Old Testament. He had written this about 600 years before this happened. And he said, in the end days, people will be filled of the Holy Spirit. Let me just read it to you again. It shall come to pass in the last days, says God, that I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. And your sons and daughters shall prophesy. Your young men shall see visions and your men shall start seeing dreams. It talks about something supernatural happening. Visions and dreams and prophecy. And, and let me tell you something. Those last days that he was talking about is still today. We are in those last days. It started there. Right? When the Holy Spirit fell. But we're still in, this, in the dispensation of the, of the Spirit. We're still during that time. These are those last days. And God wants to fill you with His Holy Spirit. God wants you to be a young person on fire for God. A young lady. God wants you to be a senior citizen on fire for Jesus Christ. God wants you to be a kid. Wherever you are, a young adult. To be able to influence that place through the power of the Holy Spirit. Don't settle for just words. We're not here trying to be moral people and just... That's part of it. We want to do the best that we can for God. But if you leave the power out, it becomes so boring and it becomes so tedious. Now look at this. After Peter started saying all these things about what Prophet Joel had written 600 years ago, the people, when they heard him speak, he started preaching to them right there, right off the bat. Started telling him, you guys crucified Jesus. And because of you guys, Jesus was dead. But he resurrected. And now... He offers forgiveness for sin. So if you guys repent, God will forgive you guys. Look, verse 37. We're going to jump a little bit. We don't have time. Now when they had heard this, they were cut to the heart. And they said to Peter and the rest of the apostles, men and brothers, what are we to do? You see, when you're filled with the Holy Spirit, things become so much easier. Things flow naturally. When you're filled with the Holy Spirit, you speak to people and, man, the Holy Spirit already started ministering to their hearts and they're open. They want to know more about God. Sometimes we try to do it in our own strength and you try to be a witness in the power of your own strength or in the power of your own knowledge of what you've accumulated these 10 years that you've been coming to church, but you need more than that. But when you have the power of the Holy Ghost, he just started giving a few words and saying, look, this is the Jesus that you guys crucified. And the Bible says that when, when Peter started speaking, man, through, through his words, the Holy Spirit was working and these people were cut to the heart. You know what that means? They were convicted. You can't convict a person I can't convict a person. Who's the only one that can convict? The Holy Spirit. So the Holy Spirit convicted these people and they said, man, just tell us what we got to do. Tell us, what, what do we do now? And then Peter said to them, verse 38, repent and let every one of you be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remissions of sins. And you shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Right off the bat, he just finished receiving it and he was offering it. 
says, if you repent, God will forgive your sins. God will forgive you guys as a people for crucifying Jesus. Because remember, Jesus came to the Jews, but the Jews did not receive him. But if you repent, you'll be forgiven. And if you ask, God will fill you and give you the gift of the Holy Spirit. For the promise is to you and to your children and to all who are afar off. As many as the Lord our God will call. Are you guys following me? Verse 40. And with many other words, Peter testified and he exhorted them saying, be saved from this perverse generation. Like don't do things the way the world does them. There's a better way. It's God's way. Then those who gladly received his word were baptized. And that day about 3,000 souls were added to them. Wait, wait a second. I read that and I'm like, hold on. No microphone back then. No, no stage, no social media. How in the world, one guy, as, even if he was a screamer, and I believe Peter was a screamer, but still, 3,000, that's only the work of the Holy Spirit. You know, sometimes we try to do things in our power, and if you're doing that, I'm going to ask you, with fear of the Holy Spirit, just to stop, because all you're going to end up doing is becoming frustrated. First thing you got to do, get filled with the Holy Spirit, and you're going to see that it's going to be God. You're going to be surprised. You know, sometimes we put so much effort and with the power of the Holy Spirit, it'll probably take even less effort than what we're putting forth. And we'll see more results because it's not through our power, not through our intellect, it's through the power of the Holy Spirit. Peter stood up and he started saying, you guys, and, and it, wasn't a, it wasn't an encouraging word. It was like, you guys killed Jesus. You guys didn't see him and you guys didn't have revelation to understand that he came to you, that he was your savior. And as Jews, you guys killed him and nailed him to the cross. But if you repent now, and if you recognize that you were wrong, today God will forgive you. And he'll give you the Holy Spirit. Man, let me tell you, it was harsh words, but they were open. They were cut to the heart. That's what the Holy Spirit does. That's what we need in our lives. So that we, when we speak to people in school, when we speak to people in, in our universities, when we speak to people in college, when we speak to people in our workplace, and we tell them, look, Jesus loves you. Those words are not just empty words, but words directed by the Holy Spirit that's going to bring forth fruit. How many say amen? And I finish with this. 3,000 souls were added to them, and they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship, in the breaking of bread and in prayers. So these weren't people that came to church and said, oh, how good, and, and they never came back. The Bible says that they continued steadfastly. They were continuously going. They were involved. And look what happened, verse 43. The fear came upon every soul. Now, it's not talking about being scared. People saw that and they go, whoa, this is not normal stuff. This is some freaky stuff going on here. This is the power. There's power here. I, we've never seen anything like that. That's the type of fear, like awe. Like when you see something and you haven't seen it and you're in awe, you're like, what in the world? I have never seen. People started fearing. Fear came upon every soul and many wonders and signs were done through the apostles. Now all who believed were together and they had all things in common. That's such a key. Everybody had one thing. They were all focused, doing the will of God. You know, I, I have my family. I have, the, you know, my future. I have my career and everything. But if I'm, if, if I'm a son of God, the most important thing, number one, is what God's will is in my life. That's what I'm focused. That's my priority. 
and they all knew it. They were all focused. They were all together and they all had all things in common to the point that they sold all their possessions. Read it, verse 45. They sold all their possessions. They sold their goods and they divided them among all as anyone had need. So continuing daily, everybody say daily. Like us, Lisa, back in the old days, right? Every single night at church, right? That's what they would do. Continuing daily with one accord in the temple and breaking bread from house to house. So they would be together in their house sharing bread. Now keep in mind that they were looking to kill these people. They were persecuting. The church was under persecution, but they had gladness of heart. You see, there's something when you're filled with the Holy Spirit that no matter what turbulence you're going through in the natural, you have this joy that no one and nothing can take away. How many say amen to that? It's the joy that God provides. So they were joyful. They were breaking bread in the homes. They were going to the temple every single day. They ate their food with gladness and simplicity of heart. And last verse, 47, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to the church daily those who were being saved. I declare and I prophesy in the name of Jesus. Let me make use of these spiritual gifts that the same thing's going to happen with us, with JTP Church. As we get filled of the Spirit, as individuals, God is going to give us favor for the people. Amen? God's going to give us favor for people. God's going to put the right words. You know, there's going to be such a grace upon you. Even people that are awkward, when they're filled with the Holy Spirit, they have favor and they have grace. They just walk and they just say two words. And, and you're, I've seen people that are so awkward that they can't even speak from a pulpit but they're the people that win the most souls. And you're like, how in the world? Favor of God. Favor of God. When you're filled with the Holy Spirit, it's God speaking through you. God starts using you. Spiritual gifts. Look, we'll get into that in 2017 because there's so many things that the apostle tells us that we should desire. You know, start praying for that because the Holy Spirit wants to give you power. JTP Church, don't ever settle just for words because the gospel does not pertinent to just words it's also power of God stand on your feet stand on your feet I already did the calling so what I want to do is I want to pray for you guys like we've been doing these weeks since this is a special series I want you guys to come up here we're going to worship and I just want you to if you don't know what to say tell God to fill you with his power yeah make this day one of this power seeking journey right where we're going to seek power from the Holy Ghost